0: I remember being on a plane once (coughs) with uh, uh, Eddie Murphy. Mm. Twenty years ago, to me, he was a gigantic star. Yeah, I I didn't know him. I, I don't think I watched Saturday Night Live very often. After I was on it a couple of times, I figured, you know, I'm not going to watch it. (laughs) They were the best cast anyway. Anyway, he said, "I need a hit, man." You know, I said, "What do you mean?" You know what have you done for me lately? They say, you know he had mm-hmm. two flops in a row. What if what is a flop? I don't know, but you know I didn't make money. So um, the life of an actor is is a uh, pure actor is is a little precarious. That is to to keep working. So I never had that problem. I did I, I did every field of show business. Tokyo Tonight
1: guys like i mean because i know that sense of humor around that area you know what i mean did were you all kind of funny at the time were you the only funny
2: one
0: no i was the clown i was always the class clown wonderful title for one of george's albums
2: yeah (laughs) Yeah.
0: uh you know that the first two albums we both we vied for the uh grammy uh best comedy he came in first both times they Mm -hmm. were great um my father was very funny he was a textile salesman you know, made did not make a great living, but he was hilarious. But he never had the ganoles to go into show business. It was unheard of. When I started, comedian wasn't a profession as such.
1: Right. You know, yeah. talking
0: about, nobody knew comedians except on television. Mm-hmm. I saw live comedy in the Catskill Mountains, and I saw great comedy on television. Do you remember so the first that,
1: comic you saw in the Catskills? Uh,
0: there, there were three that stand out in my mind. I saw um, when I was a lifeguard and a, a busboy, mm. uh, Larry Deutsch, Bernie Burns, uh, Lou Shell. I'll tell you, the, the two bald-headed men in the first row—you put your heads together, you make an ass of yourself. But <laughs> the thing is, um, they would come to the, you know, I, small hotels later when I got a reputation. I played the Concord and Gro Singers and Cutchers. You know, big. You know, they had Barbara Streisand and Bill Cosby. Come on, give the guy a break. It's only he said, she said, she said, said she said, she said, she said, she said, she said, she said. she said, the Daily News stole that line. I had been doing it I a long dinner they they put it on the Daily News. Oh, the Daily News stole my line unbelievable uh, anyway um uh, the, the big time that was different but in these small places the comedian would show up if he had music he'd give it to the band who were medical students working for the summer mm-hmm. and um you know he'd have people screaming for 35 minutes or <laughs> so 40 minutes and for that time they forgot their troubles with their health or their children their disappointment in their marriage yeah and but to yeah. myself what a great way to make a living you know Pavaroma, yeah. what you think of that you're a comedian I,
1: I completely People agree laugh
0: is is a high calling
1: absolutely yeah. and the, and the other thing is too it's kind of funny because no matter what ailments we have if we're on stage for that 45 minutes under that light nothing hurts <coughs> us nothing bothers us you're on it's great it's a, it's cathartic for you too
0: you know what that's 90 something percent true. When I was going through a terrible divorce over 30 years ago, um, I had to go to work and, you know, um, everyone has to go to work if they're going through a terrible divorce. Mm-hmm. Mine has to be making people laugh. But yeah. it is true that not only that, but physical injury. I broke a, a cracked my radial, radial head fracture playing tennis the day before a gig in Fort Lauderdale, a big theater in the round.
3: Wow.
0: I didn't feel the pain when I was on. I was in a sling Right. Uh, after I had shoulder surgery once. It sounds like I'm, you know, my, my sister called these organ. When you get old, you have organ recitals. <laughs> uh, I'm very fortunate. I was in the hospital once for like a, an emergency appendectomy. And, right. But anyway, um, I, that's when I saw live comedy. And I thought, that that's really wonderful. Uh, you know, their stuff wasn't deep. But I guess my eyes really opened um, when i I heard because and I saw a little of him on television, Lenny Bruce, uh, yeah. because <clears throat> he had been pretty conventional mm-hmm. and then I don't know, he hipped up uh, maybe a, a little bit of it was Joe Ansis, but you know Rodney's friend, uh, yeah there's always those rumors about that. I knew Joe very well. Mm-hmm. Al, go- Al Goldman, who wrote the, a book about uh, Lenny Bruce, he said, Will the Real Lenny Bruce, an article in New York Magazine. And, uh, you know, he he was hilarious, Joe, but for four people. Right. couldn't go to the stage. <laughs> right. But he and Lenny were close in the old days. And, you know, jazz types. And actually, Joe Ansis loved opera too. But mm-hmm. um, he was amazing because he, he was a social commentator. And the other one... I think that I admired most and totally different—well, not totally—was Jonathan Winters. Oh yeah, because he wasn't political. Mm-hmm. He, 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 but he was a one-man show, as Lenny was. Voices, movement, moving your body, moving. Yeah. Your you know, not a list of jokes. I mean, he was a total entertainer. Right. And um, the combination of them was. Uh, I missed Lenny. I got to California a year after he died, uh, so I never met him, but uh, I heard a lot of him from Rodney, but I did have, luckily, a, a bit of a correspondence and some meetings with Jonathan in the last few years of his life, and I, uh, my buddy, Jan, uh, Dan Pasternak, who you probably know everyone knows
2: Yeah, about. Yeah, he's been on the show recently.
0: He's a wonderful guy. And he he uh, I asked me to speak at Jonathan's memorial, and that was great. And
2: uh, his,
0: his daughter knows I love airplanes. He had them all over his bedroom like I do. Oh nice. I, I got one of his airplanes, a few of his airplane ties. And he was <clears throat> excuse me. He was amazing, you know. Uh, right. And we never missed him when we knew he'd be on.
1: We had, we had Dan Pasternak on, but we also had Paul Prevenza on, who's a good friend of mine. Yeah, and they have
0: a new show too. I did, yeah. I did a theme song for them. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I, it's obsessive. Uh, you know, by the way, it's obsessive
1: uh, comedy disorder.
0: I mean, dystopia. Wow. Oh, thank you. I refresh myself on the definition. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, uh, it, it's unfortunately uh, rather. I saw your opening too. Very
1: yeah, very good. That, gosh.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I'm afraid things are quite dystopic now. I'm not at all pleased. I but,
1: completely agree. It's insane to me that it's 20. I mean, I love talking about this kind of stuff anyway, but it's it's insane to me that it's 2022 and now the Roe v. Wade thing is in danger again, and all that stuff's coming up, and it's it's just sickening that it's this cyclical, and I feel like you know we're all kind of trapped in the middle here.
0: Well, um, I'm a student of American history, although I learned, I majored in history, political science in college. My education history was so superficial and actually ridiculous. But I've been the uh, last number of years reading ex- a lot about American history mm-hmm. uh, right up to the current time. And there's always been a certain amount of bad blood. I mean, even George right. Washington was a Above it, supposedly, was was castigated in, in, by uh, enemies in the press mm-hmm. uh, towards the end of his administration. But there was a certain comity based on the the delicate balance of the democracy, which was tested mightily in the Civil War. Mm. And that's the thing that I was so ignorant about the uh, the Reconstruction period. All these stats, I never knew until last year, two years ago, that Fort Bragg, Mm -hmm. where every new troop goes on the East Coast, is named after a Confederate general. Yeah. Traitors. T-R-A-I-T-O-R-S. And everyone called them traitors after the Civil War. Mm -hmm. Had Lincoln not been assassinated, he was very accommodating, wanted to heal the wounds. These statues and all these Confederate things are in the 1890s and 1920s. Right. In you know, six million Klansmen marched in Washington. Right. Her, um, Woodrow Wilson was a sort of a, a sort of uh, heroic figure in my eyes because of his illness and trying to form the League of Nations. It's a racist bum. Right. That I know. <laughs> You know, I, right now I'm very concerned because it's based on faith that if if candidate A wins and 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 candidate B loses and people don't acknowledge it, you you lost. Because yes, there are millions of people walking around now who think that the election was fixed when nothing could be farther from the truth. Right, He was thankful that um, Trump did not have Hitler's chops but it amazed me how uh, easy it was for many people to follow him and worship him this
1: yep. rather
0: you know this this huckster, this who had to pay millions in fines for shitty universities and shitty uh, products and, yeah. and, and and fraudulent schemes and banks that's what he specialized in and it goes right to uh, uh, the, the vote counting itself, which is being taken over in a partisan way. So I really am. I, I just turned eighty years old. So hey, I, happy birthday! Thank you very much. I, um, I, what I'm what I'm saying is, I would read the New York Times fervently every morning mm-hmm. and, and as complete as possible. And now I really pick and choose articles. I to uh, better times like World War One and two, <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, to, I believe you. Yeah, I know what you mean. At least they were. We we should learn. You'd be amazed. I just finished a book called "The Daughters of Yalta," the last conference that Roosevelt, Stalin, and Churchill had it, and uh, not Stalin, but uh, Churchill and Roosevelt brought their daughters.
2: Mm. And Avril
0: Harriman, who was the ambassador to uh, uh, Russia at the time, and who was, you know, a a multi-billionaire, you know, and State Park up here, around here, and and he was governor of New York. He brought his daughter. Anyway, how these same names of places, these same uh, military dynamics are repeating themselves today. Right. You know, that's very disconcerting. It is. You mentioned, uh, and I'm going to shut up in a second, because you you, you guys are interesting, too. I'm more (laughs) interesting. Um, You mentioned uh, Roe versus Wade. Yeah. Apparently, no one denies that states will be able to uh, allow abortion, which is the saving grace. This does not help all of the poor people who can't travel and all that. Um, I I, I just think that uh, it's sort of barbaric, uh, especially the cases of rape and incense. Right, and, and it's incest. Um, yeah, like one of these senators, you know, some murderous rapist impregnates his daughter, and they're going to yes. carry the term and all the you know the thing. And anyway, when you talk about innocent fetuses. One of these southern yokels who was a congressman who happens to be a doctor. There's unfortunately a lot of them. Yeah. we're short of doctors. We have too many congressmen. And <laughs> he said. Oh, they're viable very early. they yeah. I'm paraphrasing, you know, but they're viable early. Why? As early as uh, just uh, eight weeks. We see a male, for example. We could see a little male baby pleasuring himself.
3: <laughs>
0: you want to talk to me about innocent fetuses and right. jerking off? Right. Anyway, that's why certain babies are born blind. But seriously,
1: <laughs> I
3: mean,
0: really, I, I uh, somebody took a, a jar with a fetus in it, you know, uh, to a TV show. Would you do mm-hmm. that with a grown human being? Everyone's <laughs> worried about fetuses. We're worried about fetuses. How about if we call them, when they're born, we don't give a shit about them. The way their meals, when they can't. their parents are, uh, you know, uh, meth addicts and they don't have enough to eat. Sure. So if we called them post-fetuses, right. <laughs> would we would we make more headway? Take you know it.
1: what? I, you probably would. But as long as those post-fetuses aren't black, gay, trans, uh, bisexual, you know, as long as they're not any of those things, they'll give a shit about them.
0: Well, they're terrified. The fact is that, um, you know, I mean, the, the list is endless. The, the trial of Oscar Wilde is heartbreaking, this brilliant man. Mm. The guy that invented the computer, the Englishman, it was illegal, homosexuality Yeah, in 1947 or 8, whatever. Oh, yes. I can't think Well, of maybe no, name. later than that. Um, mm. it, it, you can get a death in certain places for it. Sure. And it, this pretense that it's, that it's some choice. Let's right. see. I, I, should I be gay? I'll be neater. If I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll play better. I'll throw better a baseball if, I, you know, if I'm straight. I mean, every one of these hypocrites has a cousin who uh, oh yeah married and, and and lives in terror. of yeah. Being out, you know, so or
1: they themselves, it, for the most part. Yes. Yeah. So
0: it's wonderful that I mean, if you believe in God, I am definitely the jury's out for me. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But, um He created. He created these people, but Michelangelo, bad person. I <laughs> you
1: know, know, right? Yeah. Um, and the, and the, like all these, all some of these Republicans need is a bathroom stall and some good hamstrings. You know what I mean? And then they'll figure out if
0: they're, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and that's had, it. I had a bit about him and I have to start remembering my bits again because I'm going to start working soon.
1: Uh, I can't wait, uh, man. First time in over two years. Nice. Uh,
0: what's his name? Larry. Uh, oh, yeah. A senator from Idaho.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He um,
0: anti-gay guy and, and uh, he, I mean, he wanted a, a, a an amendment to the Constitution of Idaho. And right, he was caught in the men's room at Minneapolis Airport. Right, with his foot extending under. Unfortunately for him, a deputy sheriff. You know, I mean, this guy wants to have sex. Right, for privacy and comfort. This guy wants to have sex in the one place I want to get out of as quickly as possible—an <laughs> airport men's room. Yes, take a leak in LaGuardia. You need galoshes.
3: Right, right. <laughs> I mean,
0: hair and shit, and they put bowls of they blow their nose and put it in the urinal yeah disgusting i, I that's never, the
1: real reason I, they don't want to have any trans people in the men's bathroom is they want to make sure when they're putting that foot under there it's a man they're getting and not anybody else that's true that, that's the real reason it is kind of you know you know what the craziest thing to me is too and i feel bad we can get off uh politics <laughs> and things, but the craziest thing to me is that people kind of get surprised by the fact that this is reoccurring again and it's like you know, because they'll be because I've seen celebrities like since this has been announced, going like, "This is the time to remember to vote." And it's like, dude, I don't know if you noticed, but we did vote, and our guy won. And this is still happening. It's not like it's not like there was some. It's not like the Republicans just were quietly doing this. They were really vocal about it, and our side dropped the ball. And it's like, what are you waiting for, Gal Gadot, to sing "Imagine" again? Like, what the fuck are you guys waiting for to do? You know, it's. it's I think really you have a very
0: good point. Um, I do what I
1: can. <clears throat> Nobody's well, listening, I but have, I do what uh, I can.
0: I, I used to be a cigarette smoker. Mm. So I have a chronic bronchitis. It happens to be oh. a little. So I'm, I'm not sick. Or it's it just, uh, I'm going to die shortly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Don't say that. So you
0: bring a good point. The, the, the good things that happen from progressive thinking. Mm. Uh, are uh, I mean, ask these people. You want to, you want to lose uh, Social Security when it came? Oh my God, communism! Social right. Security. Medicare. Oh my God, communism! <laughs> oh seatbelts. Oh my God, it's a nanny world. Right. You know, I mean, look. The ultimate was now with this disease. Yeah. People oh, absolutely. On each other thinking, "Man, right, the Lord will protect me," or it's a hoax. They're injecting us so that we'll uh, be, you know, we'll, they can control our minds. Look, yeah, uh, the the the, the um, legislators who are doing this damage are behind the people they're representing. Mm-hmm. The overwhelming majority of Americans believe in the right to abortion. Right. The majority of Americans want to leave gay people and other people alone. Right. And here they are going into the libraries. The ignorance of it—it's it, just heartbreaking to take, you know, these wonderful books out because of one uh, of line and all that. But right. I do not hold with what some comedians say—that everything is so censored, politically correct, and all mm. that. You know what? Um, I've been—I have a, 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 one of my HBO specials. I'm talking. I was talking about the. Uh, Cleveland Indians or the uh, uh, the braves and everything changing the the redskins yeah them. it's offensive wake up you, know, right. I mean, you, you slaughtered these people and, and and you're forbidding it to be spoken about in classrooms or oh, nothing bad about America the capital was built by slaves you, you have to see a movie like ten uh, years a slave right if that brings it home to people, that what it was like to be owned by someone else, to have no freedom, to have your children sold, for you to be a shadow slave. It started, you know, South Carolina almost uh, prevented America from starting because of their their horrible attitude during the Constitutional Convention. And there they were the first to, uh, and now you have Lindsey Graham yeah, you know, the whole Confederacy sucks, and it's not only yeah. the Confederacy. And there's a lot of good people living there, and I don't know how they do in that right. atmosphere. But you know, it just it, people don't want to be bothered. They're not. Nobody knows civics. Nobody knows how the government runs. Right. These people talk about 1776 and this and that, and when you have people, uh, those criminals who overran the. uh Oh, the capital! Uh, over in the capital and tried to interfere in the counting of the votes and no cops were there. I mean, you know, in these Black Lives Matter and all these others, there were millions of cops. Yeah, there was yeah. Some breaking windows there. These guys were breaking the Capitol. With no cops.
1: Right. We're exactly. The stop. cops were letting them in.
0: Well, Trump was the president and he approves. And we've heard elected officials who were supposed to be respectable members of this of this of this society and uh, and and American citizens saying these are just victims. It was a red flag operation. <laughs> so that's like uh, book burning in Nazi Germany. Yeah. like uh, Stalin was uh, just were the worst. Uh, you know, it's funny this, this kind of book was a beauty. when they come out of a long meeting. Roosevelt wheels out and, uh, and, and Churchill comes out and Stalin comes out running because he has to take a piss (laughs) and the ambassador, April Harriman shows him the the nearest laboratory was a sink because the (laughs) Soviets took this old building that had been bombed. Anyway. Right. um, uh, It it just, black is white, up is down. It's a little scary.
1: It is absolutely. And it's, and it goes back to like, I mean, You know, I can I can tie it back into the comedy thing, which I appreciate because this is kind of what we're trying to do here, too, with the dystopia. I like, you know, that intro is kind of everything that's going on in the world and what's going on in my head. And then I feel like, you know, we get to kind of talk about it here, break it down and then and then shift to whatever the hell we want to. Same thing as doing, you know, comedy on stage for about an hour and whatever. You get to kind of escape it, make fun of it, make light of it. And then you get to go back right out into the world and suffer through it.
0: Well, I began, you know, while I was still. Uh, before the pandemic, uh, Trump wasn't funny anymore. I mean, it was right, Night Live did a good job. And I was doing a couple of episodes of Will and Grace. Um, uh, I worked with Alec Baldwin in one of them. Yeah, before the shooting. Uh, <laughs> you you think he killed her? I mean, whatever no. you think about Baldwin, and, and everyone doesn't think good things about him. But I remember telling him what you're doing on. Uh, Saturday Night Live, if mm-hmm. you did it in Russia, China, Iran, Turkey, Hungary, you'd be in jail. Absolutely.
1: And the fucked up thing is Trump wanted him in jail for it. I mean, how many times did he try to sue SNL?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's beyond, you know, and Compreh- yeah. crass and, uh, and and untruthful. And his children are carbon copies. And yeah, just wonderful not to have to See him on the screen every night, and oh, you know, I don't know what the Elon Musk thing is going to mean. I don't like the signals he's putting out, I don't like one person owning so, something. Me
1: neither, like it's really messed up. That's that's the craziest thing. That's another scary element to it is that you don't people, I think, are just starting to realize how much billionaires or these guys that are even close to like a trillion being a trillionaire situation actually run our lives what is it like five richest people in the world and they own like sections of the country and these like for one billionaire for elon musk to run an entire social media network and then privatize it it no people should be terrified by that just because you know i mean his whole freedom of speech thing has nothing to do with freedom everybody did have the freedom to talk on twitter and they had some guidelines and some rules that you had to follow But for the most part, people said whatever the fuck they wanted to say, true or not. Oh, you know, you just couldn't you just couldn't incite violence, I think, was one of the main things. Also,
0: uh, I think covid misinformation. Yes,
1: covid misinformation as well. I wish they would have taken. But even then, it took a long time for them to get that shit together and get it off there. And they needed to. So, you know, I mean, it was
0: bottom. The bottom line is everything, you know, not since Teddy Roosevelt, the trust busting which was the really first instance of the government grossly interfering in uh, uh in in private industry because monopolies was so powerful yeah um what what's the stat 40 years ago um the average ceo made i don't know 18 20 times more than right
3: and yeah
0: thousand times more yeah And golden parachutes you know, I remember uh, my friend Michael Fuchs, who had a lot to do with, you know, I was the first HBO performer, and I did Right. Know. And it was primitive then. They didn't have a lot of subscribers, and he really made it grow. Um, he was eventually fired by uh, Levin, his superior. Mm. felt he was creeping up, but he really wanted to be president of the company. It would have been a great president. Levin right. turned out to be disastrous. He combined with AOL and... Oh yeah, HBO and Time Warner lost a lot of their pension. Right. As, uh, he got a golden parachute. He got fired, <laughs> and he was angry. And I don't know how many millions. So they right, all have a game, they all have a game going like that.
1: Yes, it it is it is, and we're all caught in the middle, and it's insanity. Do you? What did you think of? Uh, I mean, you, I'm assuming you kind of watched that Oscars, or were forced to watch the Oscar with a slap. I mean that that was interesting to me for a couple reasons. One reason because liberals spent we we spent 4 years talking about the rhetoric the violent rhetoric of of the Trump administration right and and the kind of precedent that was going to set and it did set you could see it statistically violence went up in protests among people among Lower white down. people but then but then to have you know the 4 years of Trump finally gone and then to see another like a, a celebrity supposedly we don't know if he's left-leaning or not we can make assumptions or whatever but to see that group that crew <coughs> witness an assault a physical act of violence and no one in the room did anything did that blow your mind I mean that that blew me away
0: well I don't watch the awards of any kind because mm. I'm not in them right. <laughs> I don't want to see other people. Getting- <laughs> <laughs> I usually watch how they make pencil erasers. (laughs) I love Smithsonian and National Geographic. Right, I did see it on the news the next day. Yeah, it it was a a stunning uh, bad thing, stunningly bad thing to do. But I had another take on it too. Mm. Um, It was not clear to me that he didn't know that she had alopecia. Mm-hmm. I have known several people with it and it's very tragic. But Mike Nichols right. who I wore twice and I kind of idolized you know, my early second city. He never had any hair from the time he was 13 on. Mm-hmm. And that was before uh, you know, it became fashionable to me. Now, there's things indicating that he did not know. If he knew, it was an unconscionable joke in my opinion and yet I bet you guys would disagree. A lot of people disagree. I am, you could call me a little old-fashioned in it, but I don't mind gratuitous cruelty if it's for the guy who went into the airport men's room and said, you know, I right. could settle down here. Mm. Honey, you he register the children in school, I'll be performing fellatio on a deputy sheriff. <laughs> I love being cruel to that guy. Right, really, right. Someone had, if someone had to have toilet sex by, by uh, uh, you know, with the other person's consent, that's their business as long as they don't hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. But gratuitous cruelty... For example, I'm a newcomer. My my son, when he was 20 or 19, tried to turn me on to family guy.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Yep. oh, the baby, blah, 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 and all that. I love family guy. Mm-hmm. But there are times that they... Startle me with their uh, tastelessness. I remember very well the day President Kennedy was assassinated, uh, to see a bullet go in his head, explode, to see an Anne Frank joke. Yes, he does Jew jokes, mm-hmm. but he does this, you know, black jokes and Italian jokes and everything. There's a lot of tastelessness, but they, even then, there's a border mm-hmm. in of of. So, it's just any. You can't censor. You censor with your pocketbook or your, yeah. your channel changer or whatever. But, you know, just... I, I hate really bad taste stuff because the Holocaust obviously happened. For Just, just take the Holocaust, for example, the largest mm. genocide in, in, in world history. Um, and and uh, there... People that not only deny it, but most people know nothing about it. it was, right. Went all over the world asking. People don't know anything about it. So Anne Frank's torment that she wrote about it, an exemplary girl who was murdered. You know, but, uh, it was a hell of a joke. But <laughs> right. But was, you know, I, it, to me, too far. So if he knew that she had lost her hair through a disease, mm I would say it's still no, absolutely no excuse for him to go up there. And First of all, he laughed instantaneously. She was appalled. He looked right. at her. Suddenly he decided, you know, he's going to do something. And um, you're right. It, it was a terrible, terrible thing to see mm. in a country which was spawned in violence and continues to be violent.
1: Right. Yeah, it was wild to me. I don't know that. I I think the same thing. I don't know that he uh, people have been saying that he had no idea that it's not like a thing that was apparent. But something just came out the other day, which I found interesting. She has not been diagnosed with alopecia. So she diagnosed herself with it, which is why she wasn't taking it like, you know what I mean? Like she kind of just announced it on her podcast and 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 said she had had it. yeah,
0: I mean, those medical things are kind of confidential.
1: They are, yeah. Somebody had – I read it in one well, of I the – I
0: claim they have such a terrible thing. Yeah, I mean, – I... uh, my, my friend Christopher Reeve, poor Superman. Yeah. Who could be more unlucky? He fell, uh, uh, you know, three feet from a horse and he couldn't move. He did my, uh, my television show and he had blotches coming out. And then by the time he was disabled, I used to do some shows for the uh, – foundation he founded he was completely bald wow and before that a handsome guy big clumps coming yeah you know my old manager's daughter never grew hair past the age of three i mean it's
1: it's terrible yeah that's the thing it is it is a terrible thing and somebody had basically they were they were just talking about it (laughs) because she had pointed out all this stuff i think online where she had it's a very weird thing man i watched it there was a couple doctors that um one of the guys has alopecia and he's this very outspoken advocate for it. He does charity events for alopecia. He, he's a doctor in the field. And um, she had, you know, on that video that she had had, she had had like um, a line, I guess, on her forehead. And he was just kind of going through the whole thing. It's like, that's not what happens when you have alopecia. Um, she like clearly has. a lot of stuff. And it's interesting because when you look him up, I mean, I I don't know either way. I'm just I just find it interesting you that a like guy,
0: a guy is looking at a picture of her and saying
1: no no like a video that she had posted where she was showing where she had whatever and it was I don't like
0: know why anyone would claim you know
1: I don't know either but I mean, the you know, thing I'd was like
0: is to right now I have syphilis okay right I think it was, I, well I think
1: it was I think it was I more someone. like well, well, I, <laughs> I think it was more like more to the more to the to the. Kind of psychotic behavior of Jada Pinkett Smith in general. She's kind of an egocentric person, and she had eyebrow surgery done recently, like an eye lift, and she didn't want anybody to know she had it done. Uh, okay. So it was like, so I think she didn't really look into what it was necessarily, and was like, yeah, I've got out. You know what I mean? Like, like a fuck. Like she's nuts. You know what I mean? I think she's just nuts. Well, um,
0: um, I I was in a movie with her, although we were not in the same scenes, but. Mm. He came to visit, um, shook hands with him. I don't know. Uh, it was called uh, uh, "Rain Over Me."
1: Oh, great movie!
0: Yeah, no one paid attention Mike, to it.
1: Mike Binder was just on a few weeks ago. He's great. Oh,
0: he—he was—he's terrific.
1: Yeah, great guy.
0: Mike Binder. I was. I kept an apartment in L.A. I, I never really moved to the West Coast. I, mean, I used to keep an apartment when I used to do the Tonight Show a lot, and uh, I guess hosted for Johnny and so forth. One day I'm driving home and I realized somebody's following me and it's a and it's a cul de sac mm-hmm. garage is for the apartment building. And I I was an idiot because I, I, I sort of I got out, slammed the door, mm. you know, and looked tough and said, what The fuck are you fo- are you following me? And I didn't say what the, I said, Are you following me? I I know, I'm sorry, Robert, my name is Mike Binder. I mean can I <laughs>
3: Uh, oh my god that's great i love the way it
0: worked and it was a wonderful movie and adam sandler was was brilliant in it but no because he wasn't being an idiot in the movie
1: yeah it was a beautiful movie don Cheadle was great in it you were great in it yeah uh can i tell you another movie that i love of yours that i that i don't know that it got the proper attention a nora efron film mixed nuts one of my favorite christmas movies ever
0: yeah, it was Madeline. Madeline Kahn was one of my earliest, my two best earliest friends and children's both uh, dead, Madeline Kahn and Peter Boyle. Yeah. Madeline I knew from when her mother was a voice teacher living in Queens. Um, we were really platonic, except maybe a couple of the great the great um, sexual revolution of the sixties, uh, late sixties, early seventies. Oh, what a revolution. So much more fun than the Bolshevik or French Revolution. <laughs> and it was so much safer. It was before AIDS. Yeah. And it was just, you know, uh, birth control pills were as ubiquitous in a woman's purse as car keys. And, and you know, no AIDS. Remember the good old days of syphilis and gonorrhea? Remember, right?
1: I dream about though. I didn't get to experience it, but I would like to go back.
0: So I was Madeline. Khan's romantic interest in that one it wasn't a very big part it was fun and it took them forever. Steve Martin was in it mm-hmm. uh, and we we kept on getting paid tons of money because they were over schedule out in uh, in Venice Beach Wow and they left all this equipment and the boardwalk with security people um we also the last time I saw her unfortunately oh. she. She didn't tell me she was sick. And I did Cosby's show as a romantic interest for her. Wow. And uh, the costumer said, um, uh, I was supposed to be a cop staking out. And he said, we have a leather jacket. He said, no, no. I want you to get him. This is Cosby talking. A mm-hmm. hey, Nordica, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they got me the $700 leather jacket, which I have in the closet. Wow, I just found pictures with him, with Harvey Weinstein, with Andrew Cuomo. I mean, I have a gallery. <laughs> you know that someone—well, uh, I can say it because she was public about it. Um, uh, Janice Dickinson used to be a supermodel. Yeah, and I used to go with her sister Debbie, who was slightly less supermodel but beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Uh Janice had the bigger career, but I loved her. Janice was fun. and She right. was carefree and irresponsible. But anyway, she told me 30, 40 years ago, over 40 years ago, she said, son of a bitch, try to drug me. And blah, 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 got away. Well, that's not what she said afterwards. I mean, she did not get away. She was one of his many victims. Wow. I'm um, I, I i I'm not sure I liked him. He, when he did the sitcom, he came in like the last day. Jesus. I was, you know, I had a few contacts with him. I, I didn't find him really cordial. On that show, he was nice. Right. But yeah. um, I knew Harvey. I did a picture with Pacino for him called uh, People I Know. Very good movie. Hmm. He also, he produced a documentary about me. Uh, Robert Klein still can't stop his leg.
1: Yeah, I he, didn't know he produced that. He, yeah.
0: It was kind of a Weinstein thing, and it's in litigation. You know, I think wow. it's... Uh, it may be on Stars app. I know it was on Star. Okay. Well, Marshall Fine directed it. I'm so proud of it. I mean, I didn't Great. put it together, but it's certainly flattering, you know, and got all these guys. Oh, well, Pestinek also arranged a, my birthday tape February 8th with Seinfeld wishing me a happy birthday. Leno. Nice. Uh, uh, Richard Lewis. Uh. Um. Uh, Lucy Arnaz, of course. We were on Broadway Mm -hmm. together years ago. And I'm probably leaving out a few. Paul Provenza. Yeah. um, Mad About You, Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser. Nice. Good guy. I never spoke to him. Even when I did his show, I never had a, we had like an hour phone call when I called up to thank him. He has a disabled child. Yeah. He's a real mensch. He's a good guy.
1: He he seems like... I've never gotten a chance to meet him, but I've loved him (laughs) for years, man. I I always thought his stand-up was super funny, and that show Mad About You was great, and you were great on it. And then uh, his books, man. He's a good writer.
0: Yes, peoplehood and parenthood and that kind of stuff. Yeah, he's a bright guy, and uh, I just really enjoyed uh, talking to him. (laughs) Those guys
1: guys consider you their godfather of comedy, by the way. Do you you, you take that...
0: In in the documentary, Bill Maher says that when he heard "Child of the 50s," the first album in '73, this is "Mind Over Matter" the next year, '74, and mm. uh, the the one you're showing on screen. Right. Uh, he said he copied down my words mm-hmm. to see what they looked like on the printed page. I think what it was best summed up by Leno in that movie. Um, I had a great talk, conversation with him. He's a goofy. I mean. <laughs> Goofy. I mean, he's got a trillion dollars. Right. (laughs) He's married to Mavis for many, many years. Um, I knew him. There's a picture here of us, at the improv, me, the torch to him, you know, and all that. But he's looked it best why guys like him sort of took special notice of what I did. Uh, Leno in the documentary says... When you're a kid in Western Massachusetts and you, you, you're interested in comedy, people commiserate with your mother. You know, Is, is he still into that comedy <laughs> thing? You know? Did you have that, John? You know, yes, way? absolutely. You, know, you could look at Robert Klein. He went to college. Yeah. Normal. You know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Did you
0: have discouragement?
1: Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. And, and backhanded discouragement, which is like, why don't you try doing literally anything else? And you're like, no, I'm, I'm doing
0: well. I enjoy this.
1: Really? You don't want to, that's, you don't. Know, you're going to look like this for the rest of your life. May you're just
0: going to. Your parents did and then they have professions.
1: My, um, my stepdad was the uh, chief of state police for years. Um, until he passed away a couple of years ago. Um, after... yeah. In New Jersey, yeah. In New Jersey, Chief of State. Uh, and um, he was, uh, but he had a military career. He was, you know, he was in uh, in the Vietnam War and stuff. And then he came became a cop. And my mom ran um, a S- Island Beach State Park, which I don't know if you've ever been to before. But she was the, she worked in the office at Island Beach State Park. Had like 150 employees underneath there and stuff. And she did that for years. Um, but they were supportive of me doing stand-up. My I think my extended, like, you know, m- my dad's family didn't quite understand why I was talking about the family. They're all from Brooklyn and they found it somewhat offensive in the beginning. they were like, what do you got to bring that up for? You know what I mean? Like that kind of an attitude. (laughs) I was like, but it's funny, you know, like people are laughing at it. They get it. And they, they didn't like that. Cause they were like, you know, mock mob, you know what I mean? They were like, you don't talk about the family. And I'm like, but, be honest you guys are nobody's
0: you mentioned your stepfather and then you you
1: you have a father father right? I do have a father father yeah who
2: is my yeah. favorite character in his whole family robert yeah, ask him yeah. about it
1: yeah he's he's an interesting he i i've talked about him a little bit briefly before but he he's a he kind of where i get where i kind of get my i think my gregarious kind of nature because he everybody knew him he was kind of a con artist you know for all and he's 74 now so he's not doing shit he's in a, a nursing facility at the moment what's a
0: con artist mean
1: Uh, he he he! he, i'll give you an example he wanted he needed 500 bucks and he saw a cement truck on 40th street he climbed up one side and down the other and wound up talking to the neighbor of the guy who was getting his his cement filled in and the guy was like could you could you do mine he was like yeah my partner and i'll do it i just need 500 bucks as soon as we're done with his we'll do yours he goes great he gives him 500 my dad takes off and then at the end of the at the end of the whole thing the guy's packing up his shit and he goes i thought you were gonna do my front yard and I, I never said that. And he goes. I just gave your partner five hundred bucks. He's like, I don't have a partner, and that was it. And my dad left and took the money. And he he sold a um a awesome. building um to a couple who <coughs> he he didn't own the building. He made a fake business card. Kind of like a movie, right? It could be. It could be. Do
0: so you have a relationship with him?
1: Uh, I do now. Uh, when my parents do, I mean, it was always kind of contentious, and and we would argue back and forth because he thinks he's a great dad. By the way. <laughs> but like there's no there's no qualms about it he's like you had a good and i'm like with who <laughs> like in what in what fucking world are you living in you know but like but he's you know he is who he is i mean he, he grew up he had eight he had uh, you know um eight brothers and sisters uh you know <coughs> a, a huge family his grand my grandmother was basically fagin so you know whoever brought her the nicest vcr off of a truck got her affection and uh and that's it man i mean they all had interesting childhoods and they you know i can't I can't as old as I am now. I can't a hundred percent fault him for being who he is, even though yeah. he had examples around him. I'm not excusing him completely, but like it's it, to me, I'm like, well, what are you going to do? I mean, he was raised in Brooklyn at that time, and <coughs> that's what they did. They 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 got by that
0: way. Mario Cantone did great stuff about his Italian Boston relatives. You know, uh he said in a Saturday afternoon they're watching a. The, uh, Patriots, you know, like, hey, shut up that damn television. I'm trying to, I'm watching Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> but he imitates the uncle too. He's a, he, he, he can do the biggest macho. Uh, uh, what we, we did a movie together that was unconscionable. I mean, <laughs> Lampoon's dirty movie. One. Yes,
1: I've seen that. My buddy, Joe. you know, uh, Joe Starr is in that movie as well isn't when that did, joe, joe, joe star he was oh my god i'm blanking on the name of the comedy special but you would host the special at gotham right new, right. new joke city
0: oh new joke city right that yeah on the local stations. Were yeah you, were you on
1: that i was not no i'm too i no. joe was on it joe was on it i yeah. wish i was on it do another one i'll be on
0: it well there were <laughs> 55 of them or something like that oh yeah there's a lot yeah, I mean, I had stand-up, sit-down comedy. I used to go down to Orlando to the his yes. property, and uh, I had a talk show on USA Network in '85 and '86.
1: I used to love uh, that, by the way. I used to watch that when I was a kid.
0: Well, um, you know, I, they they were trying to find their identity. They're still trying to find their identity, USA Network. But
3: <laughs> I thought I
1: you—I thought you meant the people
0: you me. were interviewing, and I was like, really? That's interesting. We ran two years, and to give you an idea, we were replaced by the real estate seminar, you know, the oh. <laughs> Dave Del Dado cash flow method, in which Dave shows how the cash flows from your bank account directly to Dave's. Right. By building for a dollar like your father, you know.
2: Speaking, <laughs> speaking of a con man, that's how I know John does not fall from the tree because great, he would have leaned but... right into it.
0: Oh, I know. If
1: I would my my friend always used to say I got my dad's powers, but I use them for good because I, I do like to talk to people. And I do have whatever 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 thing that you're supposed to have in your brain that says do not approach people you don't know is burnt out in mind completely.
0: Well so... you sound very smart.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I sound yeah. I, I'm trying to yeah, you're, I appreciate you're, that. Uh,
0: uh, you're uh, uh, extremely articulate. Thank and, you. Uh, you you make sense. Uh, yeah. So um, go ahead. Uh, what oh, else? I would.
1: Well, the 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 thing I was going to say too, because you were talking about the interviews and stuff that you used to do too. Do yeah. you you um one of the other specials that you hosted? I have it on VHS.
0: Oh yeah. Go ahead.
1: Uh, is the um, oh my god, I don't. Know, it's not evening. It's the Improv's like I don't know if it was their 25th anniversary special. It's you 15th 15th. you Paul Rodriguez, Martin Mull, Robin Williams, Billy Crystal, Richard Lewis. Exactly. And you hosted the whole thing.
0: Richard Lewis was in that. Yeah, I guess he was. Um, Yeah. Paul Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you a funny story about that quickly. You know, a lot of my career. um, I mean, there's just no two ways about it. I, was involved in very primitive, you know, they called it comedy, the comedy channel. And I was a consultant. What should they have on the comedy channel? Mm -hmm. And my HBO special in uh, 75 or for the first one, five, was the first um, uh, original programming that wasn't a movie. Right. HBO, which was the only network of its kind. Right. So, um, the, um, wait a minute, I got lost. Oh, yeah, you was talking about uh, uh, that show you saw. Right. So, anyway, I I get this. I also did, besides my one-man shows, nine of them, I did a few other shows for HBO. They asked me to host this thing. And there was a big... Uh, uh, disc uh, transmitting disc out on Melrose at the uh LA Improv, and I'm the host. Mm-hmm. And in case th- it was going to be live Saturday night, <clears throat> but we worked Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, wow. and they taped them just in case the live transmission broke down or something. Wow, you understand? So we taped Thursday, Friday, and then the regular show Saturday. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So um, uh I uh, I happened to I introduced and uh, so and so so and so off the teleprompter and I go, Paul Rodriguez, and I jumped off my stool and I go, like a West Side story, a boy like that he killed your brother, <laughs> a boy like that he without a beat, you know, stop <laughs> big laugh. Okay. Right. Rodriguez comes on, does his shtick, and um it was, you know, a good show. They, it was a good rehearsal. And they taped it. Mm. Next night, I figured that worked. I'll do it again, you know. Paul Rodriguez! Suddenly Robin leaps off his stool, goes, a boy like that. <laughs> Robin. <laughs> Robin, what are you doing? <laughs> um,
3: That's great
0: talented, but I long after I was gone from the uh, East Coast, mm. um I mean, I, I I thought he was a really lovely, wonderful man. I liked yeah. him very. He had a good heart and a tremendous talent. But the comedians used to complain, yeah, that he absorbed and you know their idea, put it right in his head, and do it. You know? right, right. Yeah, that was a. I knew Marty Mull originally from New York. He had a droll sense of humor. He was an industrial artist. He was very good.
2: Oh, wow
0: and poster art and a very talented visual artist. Nice. <coughs>
1: was it, when you were coming up, I mean, there weren't, there weren't really like comedy clubs necessarily, right? You did a lot of jazz clubs and you you were side by side with musicians mostly, like bands, <coughs> like that kind of thing. No, was it, it was weird? So weird? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, what I was going to say. Was it, so for like when comedy clubs came about, you know, when you started off as a comedian or when I started up, you know, you got to perform. You don't have your own audience yet. So you have to perform, but it's still a comedy audience. You know what I mean? They're coming to see comedy specifically when you were doing it and it was, you were kind of with musicians and stuff like that. Was it a weird, was it a different audience? Was it cause they were looking to see music too? Were like, what were the audiences like when you were doing those jazz clubs, as opposed to a club or a room specifically designed for comedy? Well,
0: there's only one club of its kind at the time, the improv. Okay. Right. Uh, I'd done uh, a year at second city in Chicago. We did six weeks of show in New York, and mm-hmm. David Steinberg, one of my mates. Yeah. The yep. other one, my f- dear friend, Fred Willard, who died last year. yeah, I only knew him for Sorry 56 years. We, we, ah. we reported for work together at Second City in March of 65. Wow. Anyway, I heard about this club, The Improv, and I started going down there. And it was very uptown. It was um, a show business fringe. Um, uh, uh, people in Broadway shows, uh, chorus, or maybe even some people would come and sing, get up. And uh, have a late night meal. or So, what happened was uh, television killed nightclubs. Mm-hmm. People were not going to go out and pay these big money cover charges and everything when they could sit home. Right. Ironically, television then and pay television HBO, Showtime, A and E at the they created comedy clubs. Right. So I looked up, I didn't even know, you know, when I first started and I got great managers, Rollins and Jaffe, who managed Woody Allen and Dick Cavett and Joan Rivers and Nichols and Payne, Through Rodney, he's the one that told Jack and Charlie about me. Um, I I played, you know, Mr. Kelly's in Chicago, my first gig there. I opened for uh, um, the great singer um, Sarah Vaughan. Oh wow! And she was amazing. Two weeks. I never missed. The only time since I've uh, I've ever watched every show of the person I was on the bill with, the Hungry Eye in San Francisco, the Troubadour in L.A. Wow! Uh, most uh, the Hungry Eye was known for comedy too, but also music, folk music. Wow. Lenny Bruce had performed at the Hungry Eye. Maud Saul, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. I performed at the Village Gate with Wes Montgomery, the great jazz uh, guitarist, and uh, on the living room on 2nd Avenue with Arthur Prysock, good jazz singer. And one of the greatest thrills of my life, I opened for the Modern Jazz Quartet at the Village Gate. They were like the royalty of jazz to me. They were much wow. bigger in Europe than here. Um, they loved me. Hmm. They, they thought it was, I, I. I was not too hip for the room, so to speak. I was too hip for The Room and Tonight Show and Mark right. Griffin and all that. And so what it did was forced me to write stuff that I certainly was not ashamed of, I was proud of, mm-hmm. but would be understandable. There's no point of being a comedian if your audience is, if you took the job, you have to make them laugh. Yeah. So uh, a real tough job, 4,000 people outdoors, sponsored by Coca-Cola, Six Flags Over Georgia, with off duty cops from Georgia with their three year old little girls on their knee. Wow. So, you know, old Lenny Bruce, I couldn't do the fag <laughs> at the ball game. Um you know, uh, I always felt I could make people laugh. So I had the supermarket bit, the dentist bit, um, my, my when uh, we, I had a child with my wife, that pregnancy right. and so forth. Um but there were times on the tonight, Johnny was amazingly generous. Mm-hmm. He must have been a bitch to be married to, man. He could be tough. <laughs> I, know, I know some inside stuff. But he was so generous with his laughter. When you did your job, Rodney Dangerfield, who was my Yale drama school for comedy,
3: yeah, mm-hmm.
0: improv early on. So I'll tell you, I'm a tough cocksucker,
3: okay? <laughs> <coughs> I love Rodney. Too,
0: okay? Now you got to come here every night for three years to get it right. <laughs> and he was right. I went every night. And because a lot of the regulars were there every night, I improvised new stuff. and wrote more stuff. So it made me, you know, doing the TV shows. But for all his lack of discipline in his personal life, Rodney, he drank too much, smoked too much, and did too much blow later. And- yeah. Uh, when he had a tonight show, man, he started two months earlier or more and he wrote his, he tried them out every night and he would even say, I'll tell you, man, is this funny? You know, he one on one, he'd ask it. He'd write them on a shirt cardboard. How mm. you get oh, back wow. to laundry? Yeah. And he called it a necklace. <laughs> An average necklace on the tonight show and the panel was 19 jokes. so. Wow. And it's funny, when he ran out the necklace, Carson knew it. One time he asked him something that hadn't been rehearsed. (laughs) But he was the most amazing improviser when he had a few belts. Uh, He got into a thing with David Fry. You know uh, that name? Yes, absolutely. He was uh, one of the best impressionists I ever saw. He did LBJ and Rockefeller. Mm. He was a... A mean little guy, a bad drunk, he was short, he had a, a, literally he had a gorgeous powder blue Buick convertible but there was a block on the pedal because he was serious. <laughs> so uh, he got into a shot, Rodney was up there working in the improv and he hears this stuff from the dark and mm-hmm. they get into a, an argument and suddenly uh, David Fry screams out something and Rodney says, don't you raise your voices to me. <laughs> And it came out of nowhere, man. It was, you know, really, he was quick on his feet, too. Oh, that's hilarious. But it was a great joke, writer In the early days, before he got really, you know, filthy and, you know, when we we didn't have uh, Christmas decorations unless my grandfather sneezed, kind of joke. (laughs) Right, right. I'll tell you, I worked some tough places, you know. Aldo's, formerly (laughs) Vinnie's. Vetoes, <laughs> formerly vetoes. Formerly nunzios. I'll tell you this nunzios was a tough one. <laughs> you went up to nunzios, you went down two steps, physically and socially. <laughs> I mean that's that's on buckwall level. That's that's uh hum- yeah. humorous. You know, uh, our streets aren't safe, our schools aren't safe, our parks aren't safe, but under our arms we have complete protection. <laughs> They're they're just beautiful, literal. uh, But Johnny was, that's, I'm a creature of the Tonight Show because I didn't want to do sitcoms early on. Mm -hmm. I was offered (coughs) the part in MASH opposite Alan Alda that uh, uh, Rogers did, Wayne Rogers. Oh,
1: wow. Trapper? You were supposed to be Trapper?
0: Wayne Rogers part. Wow. Um, Yeah, I was hot as a pistol. I had seen the movie. I loved it. I also read for it. I was in California at the time. I, I was just crazy, man. There's blood and all that. One of my yeah. favorite movies of all time. I didn't want to do the sitcom of it. Now, you know, obviously it was a superior series Lasted years. And I never had any regrets because right. I was just too busy being a yeah. stand-up. And I didn't want the thing, laugh, joke, laugh, joke, laugh. Um, I was offered the, the part of Robin Hood and When Days Were Rotten. Oh, nice! El Brooks uh, uh, executive produced, not the movie we were, we were with Richard Lewis, Men in Tights, which was. And
1: scary. Carrie Elwes—that's a great film.
0: Richard Lewis is the funniest I've ever seen. There, and uh, so good. Uh, no, this was a series that lasted like a season or a half season. Dick Gaudier did it. I thought it was juvenile and silly, and it, it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny Thomas's son—they offered me. And then wow. there were a few pilots I did. And I had Madeline Kahn and Peter Boyle as my guest stars. I had like a Monty Python pilot at CBS. Yeah. And Bud Grant, who ran CBS, said, oh, you're ahead of your time. You know, I, I, I hate when I hear because, you know, uh, you can do anything now. And, of course, right. I, I never, ever, ever had any uh, censorship from HBO for a for a pisher and a, a a not a superstar, right? A complete final cut of my HBO specials. They never interfered, which is amazing. And you know, a lot of money went down they They cost hundreds of thousands. You had to give them beautiful production values because mm-hmm. you couldn't just you know do it in an empty room and keep the money. Yeah, well, <laughs> what's her name, that? Uh, she lives across the Hudson. There, the chubby. Uh, she got a little racial. Uh, what's her name?
3: Oh uh... no
0: I got the wrong one. There were two Trump- <laughs> One is had the sitcom, she got racial. The, the other one wasn't Rachel, sorry. Oh now you mean I need uh, to know who this is. No,
1: no, no. You mean I mean I uh, yeah, Roseanne?
0: Roseanne Rachel, the other one, who's the other one that got had got into a feud with Trump. Oh Rosie. Rosie O'Donnell. Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. yeah Rosie O'Donnell pulls one at HBO. Well, you know, more power to her. <laughs> <laughs> After they produced the first couple. Uh, I produced the, the others. In, in other words, they gave me the money. Bob Stein became my producer. He, he's been with me for 38 years, my accomplished right. producer. Uh, uh, they give me the money, and I have to give them a show. Well, yeah. the money. She did it in a tiny club with no sets. I spent thousands on Broadway sets. Anyway, that's another story. But they no. were... <laughs> and then I did some sitcoms. Uh, I did one with Jason Alexander. Last we had we sh- shot ten of them around 9-11. Uh, he was funny man. Yeah, it he's... wasn't. They called it the Seinfeld curse, but that was ridiculous. Yeah, he his talent was unbelievable. It, it just that he he had his finger in too many pies. Mm. He checked every button and everybody's costume. And he wasn't dictatorial. Right. He stayed up all night writing with the writers. They had the wrong writers.
1: He just cared about the work.
0: <clears throat> Should have had better... When you, you have his kind of talent, you and he's the star, you, you may, let him concentrate on what he does best. Right. Uh, and then uh, more recently, but... Still nine years ago, whatever it was, I did one at CBS. That was the ABC for Les Moonves, Uh after he raped me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was called The Stones with Judith Light. And, oh, uh, yes. There's a kid, that the uh, Canadian kid came out of that, your your generation. Terrific actor. Funny yeah, I actor. can't
1: think of his name, but yeah, I yeah. know. I remember. Jay Baruchel.
0: Baruchel, Bar- 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 Bar-
1: Bar- right? yeah. He Jay Baruchel is amazing.
0: He played my son. He was so funny.
1: That was a good show.
0: You know, uh, what am I going to do? That was Genji Kohan, who cut her teeth on that. Mm-hmm. And her brother, uh, you know, the team that was doing Will and Grace and the other. Um, and then she did Orange is the New Black, and she did right. The- you know Oz was more bland and conventional I, she does the real odd stuff but at
1: that at that point when those shows were working when and they didn't when they didn't work out were you happy to just go back to doing stand up or you were like i really want a sitcom
0: you want to know the truth it was yes. in california both of those uh, okay and i always the last time i had the power to insist on it being done in new york i did an abc pilot called father's day we did it oh. right the Ed Sullivan Theater, which is where Letterman and now Colbert was. Mm-hmm. At the time, it was a series with Jane Curtin and Susan St. James. Uh, forgot nice. the name of it. And, you know, we used their uh, studio to do it. Uh, they were going to do it in California, and I told them I won't do it unless they do it in New York. And mm-hmm. they did it in New York. Yeah. That was the end of my clout. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm an honorary Angelino. I've been through two major earthquakes. The wow. major earthquakes, just by coincidence, '73 and '94. Jesus, and I I just always feel I have lots of friends there. I just feel alien there. I feel lonely there. I you know I had a rent. I rent. Me too. A park. You know I I just I prefer the East Coast. Uh, I live you know like. Forty minutes from Times Square, up the Hudson River Valley. I just gave up my apartment I had for twenty years. Why? I wasn't using
1: it.
0: Um, it was expensive. I could have
1: stayed there. I would have. I would have taken it.
0: An incredible view of Central Park. I could see Laguardia Tower. Wow. The Lincoln Center area. It was beautiful, but um, and it came in handy working in New York, of course. Yeah. So. Uh, I don't know. I I wrote that one book. It's I'm very proud of it. It's it really should. It's oh, yeah. twenty five years old. Yeah, I've it's written, a great great book. You know, I've written some articles and I, you know, I've written some forwards for other people's books and all. I really. It's the one thing I'm regretting that I'm not doing more of now. But um, writing. I I am uh, reading and I just escape into it. I've never read someone. I always had a book. Now I'm. Uh, i i do it on my ipad which is mm. how i'm seeing you now uh-huh. um I, I never thought i would because of the feeling the book i have i have i don't know several thousand books in my house in three different locations i love books but here i buy these books like two bucks and three bucks book bub i can make the print bigger if i like oh. i can press the word look up and see what it means because some right. of the books are reading a sort of complex, I love it. I think it's magnificent. And I canceled the actual newspaper of the New York times. I would never be without the New York times in my life, but online is sooner, better, more varied. Yep. So the old man is, uh, I, I'm won over by technology and I'm, uh, I'm not great at it. It is amazing. I mean, you gotta remember, I couldn't wait till television.
3: We yeah got
0: when i was i was born in 42 uh, 1842 or 19 for one of those two
3: mm-hmm.
0: and um uh, i was uh, nine when we got a television set in 51 right up until then we'd look at other people's you know apartments and they we would watch milton burrow or the big shows incidentally that repeated itself with cable when the mm. knicks were hot Mm-hmm. 69, 70, not everybody had, uh, you know, the the cable where you could see the Knicks every game. And we right. used to go to people's houses or people would come to my house and so forth. So I really, I've seen change that is uh, unbelievable now. My father was born in 1907. That's four years after the Wright brothers flew. My father rode wow. the tr- civil war veterans i wish i'd asked them more questions who has seen more change in their life um, yeah you know i mean every every time you look up the new technology for example i have a tremendous collection of cd's
1: oh yeah Same, yeah and i love them
0: my son who's 38 loves oh. lps he loves lps mhm and I, I i just did a few scenes in a film uh uh, what are they calling it? Uh, the, the, the zoo, I think, although oh, okay. it was with animals. The guy is using 35 millimeter film. I wow, a film out of a, a film in 30 years. I mean, I've been in 40 theatrical features, right now, maybe 43. They're all digital now. I mean, right, yeah. uh, it used to be that, um, Jerry Lewis they say invented a little TV camera on top of a movie camera. It mm-hmm. was black and white, so he could see instantaneously what he did. Some directors wouldn't let you see and take. They didn't want you to because they, they figure you'll fuss with it and you'll do something different or whatever. But now everything is instantaneous. You shoot. It, 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 the lighting is easier with, with digital. Right, um, And the, obviously the cost is less because... It cost uh, the guy told me the producer I don't know seventeen cents a foot uh, to to the film and to develop it and good yeah. lord. So I, I just you know I, I I've been working out with a trainer for thirty years. Wow! Guy comes to my I used to go to a club. A guy comes to my house three times a week. I know what to do without him, mm-hmm. but it's like a, an obligation.
1: Absolutely, yeah. You don't want to disappoint the other person. He's in
0: shape for eighty. I mean, I you mean, look
1: great, man. Thank look, you. look exactly the same. Yeah, you know, it's I. I bought a turntable over the pandemic because I have records, you know, and I do like listening to Bob Dylan stuff like. But whenever I would go out on the road, my friend and I, when she would come out on the road with me, we'd find like an old like record store, antique store, and I would collect comedy albums. And I've got yours up. I mean, they're on the wall behind me, but it's all blurred out. You can't really see it. But I've got. I've got yours. Um, I've got Jonathan Winters. i got Steve Martin's. I've got uh, George Carlin's. Um, Lenny Bruce is up there. I know Robbins is up there from 78. Um, you know, and it's just... I. But it's it's so much cooler listening to them like, you know, on a record for some reason. <clears throat> I
0: don't know what it is. By the way, I went to Billy's opening on Broadway. Oh, nice. It's the funniest opening of a show I can remember. Um, nice. The singing is a little suspect, but uh, Billy could- <laughs> Conquer that in a second. But the one who plays his wife and brother, Pamer, I remember the only time I ever called Billy about because he was doing uh, Mister Saturday Night in '88. I think
3: mm-hmm. I love that
0: movie. It's flawed, but I love it. And yeah, I, it's a good movie. Do it. I relate to it. I asked him. I said the brother is perfect part for me, and he said, "You know what? It could be." He he cast David Paymer, who was nominated for an Academy Award, right? So he made the right choice. Anyway, it's it's hilarious. I, I we talked, and I told him enjoy it and endure it. Um, I I I I have been in seven Broadway shows. Two, well, two closed out of town, but um, I was in two hits for a year. Mm-hmm. And man, it drives you crazy. Alan Arkin's the only person I ever heard agree with me on that. Wow, we did it. We did a, a Zoom show of his work about four months ago. It was wonderful Mm. to be in touch with him. He said, you know, after the first few months or whatever, everyone has seen it, It who's anybody, you gotta do the same thing every day. Right. (laughs) He's doing something. Now there's nothing like live theater for the audience. Right. um, And it's great, it'll never be replaced. It's different than film, but for the actors, for me anyway, it drove me nuts. I wouldn't be able to do it either you have to find new ways to approach it, find another laugh or find, and then you, you start messing up what was set
1: and
3: mm-hmm.
0: worked. So uh, there's a did you, story. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Did you have an, a, did you have like a preference when you were even starting out? Like, did you want to be just an actor? Did you want to be just a comic? Like, which one do you, do you prefer?
0: Well, I made my bones, so to speak, as a comedian. You yeah. You can be a fight and and a, and a like Archimedes, a mic, a light, and a place to stand. (laughs) And I can make a living. Right. It came out of my own mind. Mm -hmm. You know, the most beautiful setup. But uh, being versatile did two things. Kept me interested and kept me working. Okay. You know, I didn't have to wait for the next part like an actor. The life of an actor, unless you're the hottest thing in the business, and even then, I remember being on a plane once <clears throat> with uh, uh, Eddie Murphy mm. uh, 20 years ago. To me, he was a gigantic star. Yeah. I, I didn't know him. I, I don't think I watched Saturday Night Live very often. And after I was on it a couple of times, I figured, you know, I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> <you know? laughs> <gonna> watch it. <laughs> they were the best cast, anyway. Anyway, he said, I need a hit, man. You know, I said, what do you mean? You know what have you done for me lately? They say. you know you had mm-hmm. two flops in a row. What if what is a flop? I don't know, but you know I didn't make money. So uh, the life of an actor is is a uh, pure actor is, is a little precarious. That is to to keep working. So I never had that problem. I did I, I did every field of show business. Right. I would say the record business was the the most. Uh, kind of dirty, you know, in those days. Neil Bogart was the great record man, the Casablanca records. Uh, I I was Buddha, actually. My first two albums were Brute records (laughs) because George Barry, who owned Fabergé, put Mm. up all the money. Neil was so brilliant, he got this guy to put up all this money. Wow. So he named it after that terrible cologne, Brute. (laughs) We went around in private jets in uh, George Barry's Air Force and, uh, uh, you know, I, I, it was bribery to get, because nobody wanted to play a comedy album. It was, you know, we had NEW right. New York was sort of quote unquote progressive radio, Pete Fornatel, Dennis Elsus, mm-hmm. Nightbird, and they played it in BCN in Boston but uh, there was an awful lot of you know drugs and vacations and cash and not so much on my thing but you know in the music which was high pressure and yeah um
1: how did you avoid all that the drugs and stuff like that because you stayed pretty <coughs> pretty clean right
0: who said i avoided them
1: <laughs> i don't know i don't know you, you seem like you know you i seem knew how to handle it pretty to, oh there you go that's even better
0: I did blow in those days. Uh, yeah. One day, um, uh, I, you know, I was working so much. If I pull into Cleveland and I was exhausted, you know, and, uh, a couple of blows would, would wake me up. But nice. It, it was such a dead end because we intellectualized it, my friends and I, even before I was anything in show business. Well, early on, we read Freud and we knew Arthur Conan Doyle experimented with it. And he was a doctor, too. <laughs> um, we thought it was, more, it was psychologically addictive. We were completely wrong. You know, the thing of the rats would rather do the coke and die. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. I knew intellectual junkies who were morphia addicts who injected themselves, barred college types, Ph.D. types, and it was pathetic. And yeah. one day I just said, and you always wanted more of, of cocaine, and one day, I don't know, many, many years ago I said, you know what, I'm never going to do this again. <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have used cannabis for 54 years. Nice. Um, I can't, I don't like to smoke it anymore because it irritates me. But um, I always liked a few uh, little nips before going on.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what's interesting about Rodney? He he could go on at the improv or go on and do a show and have had eight drinks. And he would even slur sometimes. And he could be very funny and all that. He would not touch pot before he went on stage. Wow. Really? And he told me about buying it in Times Square in 1940. He told me about this, you know, low-level dealer selling some pot on off Times Square. Mm-hmm. There's a knock on the door. Who is it? The Great One. <laughs> it was, you know, in those days, he was in a few Warner Brothers movies. Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: Wow. He
0: came to buy pot. So um, it, it is so much less profound in its effect on behavior than alcohol, which I do not propose to make illegal again. Right. But uh, it, uh, it, it's it, one of the, if not the most profound drug of all, in terms of what people will do, behavior, which could be murderous. I don't think anyone ever killed anybody because they smoked pot. Yeah, no. And it's time, you know, all these unfortunate people who have done hard time because of it. I'm um, not sure. Bob and I wrote a song called Medical Marijuana, Making fun of it for everything—they're saying, "Oh, it cures everything." You know? Right? No, it, it it intensifies appetite. So, someone on chemotherapy, it's a wonderful thing to ingest it or somehow because it gives you an appetite. Yeah. Apparently, there are miraculous things reported with epileptic children. Yes. Yeah. And it's more than anecdotal; it seems to work now. Right. The other things I've used CBD cream and all that. I'm just not sure. But it certainly is. And it's not great for children who are growing up. Right. Uh, you know, to, for a nine-year-old to go to school in stone is not a great idea. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> and sure. that's, that's the true thing. But kids grab alcohol. They, you know, I mean, alcohol is mind dripping Yeah. And it can be very pleasant, but. Yeah, nobody it, ever
1: committed a hate crime smoking a joint. You know what I mean? Like, it's usually it's alcohol-induced.
0: That's true. It's a very profound, underrated, dangerous drug. Right. And um, you know, and also, uh, you know, people doing hard time for having had an ounce of pot. Right. And, you know, some judge kills someone drunk. They take away his license for six months. Uh, it's just you know part of the culture. What what I'm I do and drink and puke. That's okay. <laughs> but what you do is wrong. Right. Um, it's slowly catching on. Unfortunately, um, the tax money, which one hopes is derived from it, Mm. like it is from alcohol, is gobbled up by the fact that legal pot is more expensive than the black market.
3: Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) tremendously.
0: You know, unless they do something about that, there's a, a diminished effect with respect to society.
3: Yeah, the they'll
0: with, ruin it. The problem with these politicians is they have to <clears throat> keep be, be uh, keep on being reelected, and they can't think futuristically. I saw a picture in the Times a couple of weeks ago of from a drone about eighteen bullet trains in a Chinese maintenance yard. Mm-hmm. It looked like Buck Rogers, man. <laughs> We have the Estella train go 65 miles an hour on tracks that were originally laid in the 1890s. Yeah. You know, and, and they, they don't see that, or the airports and everything. I have not been to the uh, Orient. I have not right. been to Japan or China. I've eaten Chinese food. I hope that counts as something. <laughs> uh, my, my colleague, Bob is his son spent four years in China. He visited many times. He went, everything is modern, brand new. (laughs) Yeah, And here everything is falling apart, you know. So they don't put the money, they want want something, they want to reduce taxes, reduce, you have the safest, uh, I mean, you know, a a prosperous country. I wouldn't say it's the safest country. We have about, uh, I don't know, 39,000 gun deaths a year, suicide, homicide, and accident. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the wounding,s but right. you live in a, a, a nice place. You live in a country that, with at least we hope, maintains some ideals like that. You got to pay for it, right? In streets, you got to pay for it. When did taxes become such a dirty word? I know. And and why did uh, why did Trump pay no taxes and Elon Musk? And I remember when uh, Romney was running for president, revealed his taxes, he paid 14% because of investment. Why do I pay 39%? It's just not fair. You know, like uh, Warren Buffett said, my secretary pays more taxes than I do. So it's very unfair. And it's not likely to be uh, changed in any kind of revolutionary way anytime soon because there's no one with the vision... All they care about is you know low taxes and taking the books out of the library and these, these kind of irrelevant things. That I mean, taxes hurt. I pay a lot of taxes here, but sure, you get something back for it. You can't get something for nothing, right? You know, uh,
1: it's crazy. Like I feel like I'm not a conspiracy guy for the most part, but I do feel like somebody it, when you when you're like when you're a billionaire. I mean, I, I can't imagine not helping or trying to give that like like you don't you're never in your lifetime going to be able to spend any of that money when you're like one of the richest people in the world the only thing i can think of is they must have somebody come to their door and go here's what you can do with your money and here's what you can't do with your money and, and it's like or, or you or we'll bump you off or whatever it is because why wouldn't you just go oh how much is it to feed everybody six billion take it why would you spend 44 billion on twitter and not most, try to feed
0: everyone. Most of the wealthiest do have, you know, uh, um, do have programs for giving away a certain amount of money.
2: Foundations, Ralph Lauren,
0: right? Ralph Lauren, his name was Ralph Lipschitz. He was from my old neighborhood. Oh, and I knew him, uh, you know, vaguely. Then he was a stylish kid, prematurely gray at seventeen.
2: Anyway, <laughs> I
0: hired one of our childhood friends, Aki Cohen who is Oscar Cohen, who is a, a very famous teacher of the deaf. He's an expert on education of the deaf. And he's a, you know, a wonderful uh, citizen who's in all kinds of causes. He hired Aki, who was retired, to mm-hmm. give away. It started with 10 million, which is pretty small. I think most of them do. they They, charities, but the need is so enormous. And also... Right. There, there is this message that, uh, you know, entitlements, like you're entitled to get welfare. You're, you don't want them to abort the child. You want them to have, be 18 years old and have five children who they can't feed. Yeah. You know, and yet the, the corporations pay no taxes. Isn't that welfare? I mean, these right. are not radical ideas. I don't believe in, I mean, and, and also we we bite our own we we step on our own feet this stupid thing about defunding the police just oh, change, yeah. change what they do they have to go out on every one of these calls everyone in the fucking world has a gun yep
1: it was you know a bad fuck? slogan i mean it was it was <laughs> definitely a bad slogan like it it wasn't even about necessarily defunding the police it, but, but it was a bad slogan they wanted to just reform it should have been reform it should have been let's figure out what where they can be the most useful and the most effective as opposed to strip them of their finances which is what it course, sounded like
0: and it comes off though even pro-life who isn't pro-life yeah yeah pro-life you know yeah uh, always you know take these but um one thing is really uh, very significant and depressing is that after the january 6th insurrection in which dozens of police officers were injured yeah the police unions are not supporting them
1: I know That's
0: scary you own- it is in fact, there was a cop who assaulted another one. He's he's going to get a couple of years, I hope.
1: Yeah. Um, well, did you see the videos of the cops opening the gates in the beginning, some of them?
0: I didn't. Um, yeah. They, they, I mean, they, some
1: of them were inside defending it, obviously. There was those Capitol yeah. Police officers who, who went above and beyond their job, you know, uh, of their job and, and did what they had to do. But in the very beginning, when there's people coming in, man, there's just, there's just video of cops opening the gate and letting these people, like, get up to the steps and get up there. And it's you're just like what the f- what the hell is that?
0: Well, it's this notion that there is a danger of 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 their life being taken away from them. Uh, you know, you have to register a bicycle in most towns, but you don't have to register a gun. <laughs> right. Your friend, have your number, your name, and they'll come and get you. Meanwhile, right. In my little town here, Briarcliff, they just put in uh, uh, cameras. You know, uh-huh. you watch a show like 48 Hours, which is actually a high-quality show. Yeah. Actual homicide investigations, no reenactments. Of course, they're compressed. Right. Of course, these morons confess to the murder instead of saying, <laughs> I want a lawyer, which the show is over in four minutes. <laughs> right. And, and look, we're, it's, it's for your own good to tell the truth. Okay. Yeah. I shot him, you know.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> they, um, the, the police... For example, in New York, the biggest police force in the world, uh, well, maybe China has, I mean, but the mayors have always been wary of them. They, they have their own life. They're, they're sort of a little scary. And they do have the power of life and death because they have guns and all. But it is it is a tough job. You have to, you know, deal with a lot of low life and you have to get between couples who are arguing and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And... Um, Something that people don't mention very much, though, is cops, and certainly in certainly uh, across the country, not so much here, but there's plenty of guns here as well, you just don't know as has a gun. In England, yeah. you can be, or Scotland, even though it's tough, or Paris, you can be reasonably certain that most people are not armed. Right, right. And the difference is that when you're angry, instead of a punch, in, in a, if you have a gun... And you're drunk too, especially or impaired. Bang! It's over. Gun is made for one thing,
3: to yeah. kill.
0: Yes, you can target shoot and all that. And um, I don't know which comedian you might know, John. Um, a brilliant routine, uh, or certainly idea, when he said, "All right, constitutional right to bear arms. How about a musket? That's what they want." Then. Oh,
1: Peace. Jim Jeffries. A- Who is it? Jim Jeffries.
0: That's brilliant. Yeah. And he puts in the powder. Mm-hmm. And by that time, you know, and I think Chris Rock said, why don't you charge $5,000 for a Yes, Yes. Those are beautiful concepts. And, uh, um, you know, it's the most ubiquitous thing in America. There are what, 10 guns for every person. So,
1: yeah. Well, and the <laughs> amount of, and the amount of, like you said before though, the amount of shit that cops don't need to be doing that for some reason they're designated to do. I had, so in my backyard by the, by the, uh, base of the house there was just a hole i had no idea where it came from i didn't know if an animal dug it but it was in a really weird spot didn't see it whatever it would just form there one day and so i i called the township and i was like i need somebody to come over to check this out because i don't know if it's a sinkhole i don't know if my foundation's gonna dip you know we just had bad wet all this other crap they sent over a cop and and it was a and not only that he was like 17 so i was like and then he and he kind of looks at it and he's like Eh, it looks like it's going to be okay to me. And I'm like, oh, well, thanks, Opie. But do you know what a sinkhole looks like? Like, what the fuck? Like, just can I? And I was like, I was like, I don't mean any offense to this at all. And I'm like, but, but can you get whoever you're supposed to get? And he was like, oh, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess I could call the, the township and tell them that you need somebody over here. And I was like, yes, that. Do that. <laughs> Instead of just guessing. But he, like, tapped the dirt with his foot. And he was like, should be all right. Yeah, I mean... You know, I feel bad. Nobody needs to send them out, but
0: they're uh, they're tasked with too many things, and yeah. and, uh, and and they do the training is it, it has to be very careful because there's a lot of people that become cops for altruistic reasons that they want to serve the public. They feel you know the new cop is supposed to be more enlightened. I'll tell you, in my life in New York. Cop never paid a check at the diner when he went in for a snack ever. Um, now, no more of that. Yep. Well, cooping. I used to park my car at seventy Riverside, go to my apartment eighty second, late at night. Be a cop car. They're both of them sleep inside. Um, I'm sure there's you know. So I mean they're they're better trained. They're they're more modern and so forth. But um, there, there is a. Uh, I mean I I was store I was leaving the Aguati Airport in the indoor parking and there's a plainclothes car blocking the way. They're looking at some car with interest. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting and I'm waiting. I know they're cops. They're plainclothes. And I'm waiting and after four minutes I gave a little beep. Hey, what's up? You know, and it came at me. And the other one. And then I was a little uh, I would be more recognizable. I mean, people still recognize me, but I was um, in my I just, you know, hey, that's Robert Klein. And, Who? Yeah. Uh, one guy was so... He just came at me yelling. And I i was a man... How old was I then? 55? I wasn't... Right. You know, and so, I, the, they have they feel a certain kind of privilege. And they have certain kinds of powers. Well, they're sh-
1: broken down. I, I mean, they're, they're I, the whole... I think... I don't even mean... I don't know. They're, the whole training them now is not the same way. I mean, when my stepdad was a cop you know, he, uh, he used to get under people's skin who worked for him because they used to come in young and hot headed. And like, you know, they would get a call to go to somebody's house because, you know, uh, one one of my friends, dad, my friend's dad was a cop too. And when we were in high school, um, you know, one of the kids that we went to school with was troubled, you know, he had some mental issues and stuff like that. And he locked himself in his bedroom and his parents, you know, were afraid. So they had, the police come over and it was my friend's dad who everybody knew and loved. And he knew all the kids and then this new kid and the new kid was like looking to kick the, the door in and like getting all hot, you know, getting all up and whatever. And the my friend's dad was like, we know these, like, there's no reason to do that. But I feel like there's more of those guys now than there is the level headed. Like, Hey, I know everybody in town by name. They know me. We don't need to do this. Like it's, no, it's New
0: Jersey state cops have beautiful, scary, Nazi-like uniforms, they're gorgeous.
1: I know, they really do.
0: As a matter of fact, Norman, who was the uh, uh, Operation Desert Storm? His father...
2: Schwarzkopf.
0: Schwarzkopf's father was the head of the uh, New Jersey State Police at the time of the um, Lindbergh kidnapping. Oh. And he um, said, oh, the guy's absolutely guilty and so forth. No, I mean... Um, They have extraordinary power. But you know what? There was a a book about an elite New York homicide squad written by Barbara Gelb. Arthur uh, Gelb was one of the biggies at the New York Times. And they both were Eugene O'Neill scholars. They're both gone now. Their son runs the Metropolitan Opera. And they were dear friends. She was allowed to go along with this squad of uh, special homicide squad Like when a kid was found decapitated on a rooftop in Harlem. These were high-profile cases. They would take them up. Most of them got divorced. Most of them had problems. And um, Jerry, I can't remember his last name, an Irish name. He's a wonderful man. He was head of the squad. He later became head of security at the Javits Center. Um, And we were walking into a place, and we were gonna ha- all have dinner. And I- I- something, someone came up to me very rudely or or whatever it was. And oh, I got angry for a second. I'm not a fighter, you know. And he he all just right. grabbed my arm, and he just had seen so much violence in his life that he hated it, and he knows when to tamp things down, you know. Mm. So uh, there are good cops and bad cops. I think it, it is essentially a noble profession, um, but some people's motives for going into that line of work have to be inspected. They like, yes. you know what, fellas, it's past my bedtime. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I've got, um hey, want Yes. I'll hey, let Tom speak more. Tom.
1: Yes.
2: That's like all right, come on. <laughs> <laughs> we really we appreciate you coming out with us tonight but I know John has to ask, oh no I'm sorry John has to ask you the big three questions but I know a lot of our fans had a couple of things that they wanted to chime in with go ahead so just wanted to uh, try and field some of those before John gives you the big you three mean,
0: I'm gonna hear their questions
2: yes yeah we oh, could okay. actually bring them up on uh, on our screen. Let me pull back because I remember I promised Lindsay we would get this one up. Sorry. There was a lot of questions. I'm actually f- trying to filter right through them. One second. Da, da, da. Now one, you
0: embarrassed it- me. There were no questions,
3: right? No, <laughs> no, no. There are a ton of questions. No, there, I'm not
2: even going to lie. There are a lot of questions, yeah. So Lindsay N was asking, was it fun working with the Monty Python crew? And who is your favorite Python?
0: Oh, that was a wonderful night. That was the night. The next morning was the earthquake in 94. Oh, wow. Um, oh, no, 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 no. The um, I gave an award to Cleese, the Jack Oakey Award. I think it was the only Jack Oakey Award of all time. <laughs> the fourth season, first and last. And then the next morning, we're all cowering in the dining area with candlelight. And he walks in, Cleese walks in with the newspapers under his arm. well. that was interesting. I wanted to kill him. <laughs> wanted to kill him. Uh, That was a wonderful uh, HBO special, the Aspen Comedy Festival. And um, I wish they would have filmed the night before when we all got together for the meeting because they didn't see each other that often. And they Mm. really were genuinely glad to see each other. And then the conversation came up about um, who was the one that that died? Graham, right? Yeah. uh, The one who was a physician. Yeah. And uh, we we concocted this bit where um, uh, we would uh, his ashes would spill because they had an urn supposedly <laughs> with his ashes in it. His ashes had actually been distributed, I think, at the Hollywood Bowl or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, um, uh, the the one who had a Barbara Wawa, he died. Um, he, he was. They were all were lovely people, but. Right. Uh, um uh, what was his name? Uh well you well, you know, he said, well, his parents, you know, his parents might be there. <laughs> the police said, Fuck his
3: parents.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they were they, he expressed um he had the same first name as the American. Uh, I, I'm I'm I, you know, I did well on names and nouns, didn't you? Yeah, I? yeah. <laughs> it happens, it
1: happens every episode. So Michael Palin, maybe?
0: No, I love Palin. Uh, Palin's good. Uh, I, I like them all. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean all of them. I think that um, the American uh, is the visual one, and uh, his his rendition of, uh, of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas was horrible because he missed the essence of Hunter Thompson's book.
1: Oh, Terry Jones.
0: <coughs> Terry Jones was the Wawa, right? Right. And Terry Gilliam, the American.
1: Terry Gilliam, yeah. Um,
0: And uh, we went on stage the next day and I have a clipboard and i you know, I don't want to be, let them mix it up. And what happened is uh, Terry Gilliam was supposed to knock over the the, uh, urn and he forgot. (laughs) So when he did, it came as a big surprise and everyone was like a jet pilot with their reaction. Boom, I got a broom. (laughs) We're sweeping up his ashes. It was hilarious. It was better because everyone forgot he was supposed to do it. Right. They did it. It took it by surprise. Uh, Cleese had headaches. We were 6,500 feet altitude. He was mm-hmm. a little cranky yeah. with his headaches. But um, I, I spent time with him at the Four Seasons, that time when uh, he was honored and that thing. And, yeah. Um, uh, they were all. Uh, they were all on my well, Palin and uh, was on my my radio show and my television. No, my radio show twice. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. And a wonderful man, a, a gentle and uh, very intelligent. It was a great thing, and and we were um, on the same record label. They were Buddha. You know, oh, and, and okay. I, I couldn't make head nor tails of it listening to some of the LP now for something completely different. But when I saw the film,
3: yeah, oh yeah,
0: God, we showed it in someone's apartment in Boston. Um, uh, can't remember his name. He was he was at WBCN and um Nancy Jones uh you know have you seen uh, uh, Gilded Age? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that shit. I, I yeah. You know, it's beautifully written, a star on a soap opera. So good. Simon Jones, who plays the butler, his wife, late mm-hmm. wife, was the promoter. She actually brought the Beatles to America on Buddha Records. And wow. uh, I, I love them from the start. I, I uh, you know, I, They're old men now, like me. They're my contemporaries.
2: Yeah, uh, we, we had the pleasure <laughs> to hang out with John Cleese. Gentleman. Yeah. Had a million stories, such a gentleman.
0: Yeah, he's. I just watched uh fish called Wanda. I hadn't seen it years.
2: Of oh, the it's best,
0: magnificent.
2: Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you
0: know, I, uh, uh Faulty Tower, he claims the funniest thing he ever did. I'm not sure that's true, but it's worth watching. It's oh, funny. brilliant. But you know, they went on and they kept kept on making making money. Uh, Pasternak told me that he tours a lot and he answers questions. Mm-hmm. They show shows, yeah. so he makes a living. Because he needs to, because he had three wives. Yes. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, that is uh, the truth. The
0: second one was, her name was Alice Faye. She was a woman from Dallas. She was a psychologist. Yep. She was with him in the earthquake. I said, You had a psychologist with you. I had no
2: one. Powering
0: <laughs> in my room on the, the 11th floor of the Four Seasons. It's going back and forth, you know. What else do you have to ask me? Well,
2: uh, our good friend Mind Dog from Mind Dog TV says, he, I can't stop my leg. Do you have any advice?
3: I can't stop my leg. I can my
0: leg. Now, you can't see my leg, but it's moving. <laughs> uh, I had hoped that um, uh, restless leg syndrome, which is not funny, people <laughs> <say it's laughs> legs would use my song, but God damn it, they oh. didn't. Uh, um, I, that, that happened one night at the improv. Uh, there was a wonderful pianist named Ray Johnson who that Midler certainly owes a debt of gratitude to. He played behind her every night for nothing. For <laughs> wow. And he was a wonderful, uh, uh, from Louisville, a great jazz pianist and blues. And I'm playing, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, my leg is moving and I'm going, you know, you know and I'm playing blues in a little faster tempo than that. And uh, like the improviser I am, post-Second City, what came into my head after playing many bars of the harmonica and the people with it? I go, I can't stop my leg. And it was an
3: explosive <laughs> laugh
0: because my leg was moving. So, <laughs> you know, part of the thing. And it's a, for an intelligent comedian, it's a stupid joke, but it's fun. Yeah. And, uh, that's how Marshall Fine named the, the movie, the, the documentary about me, Robert Klein Still Can't Stop His Leg, because <laughs> I did it. In, in different forms in every one of the nine HBO specials, a Latino, a classical, a Broadway version. And uh, it's sort of a hook. Rodney's was no respect. It was
2: brilliant. Yeah. Awesome. Incredible. And then uh, one other, one one more. I'm just going to squeak in here before John gets his questions. But Alan, one of our fans, wanted us to show you this picture. He said it's from 1979 at Cushers. In the Catskills, from when you were performing there.
0: Looks like he's a bartender or a waiter.
2: Yeah. Doesn't it right?
0: look like a uniform? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. That's incredible.
2: Right? Um, How many, many years.
0: Uh, I was For, for
1: like half a second, I thought it was you and Captain Kangaroo. I was like, holy <laughs> shit. I used to watch that guy when I was a kid.
0: <laughs> you know, it's amazing. Um, I had Lauren Bacall on my show, my television show. Wow. And she said... You know, people remember me. You know, I was 19 years old. I was a model and everything. I, I have a life after that. I have a... people <laughs> who have been in movies and television. There is a sequential record of my life. They yeah. still show. Somebody uh, uh, texted me the other day one of my Ed Sullivan appearances. I did six of them. Was on, my Johnny Carson stuff. It's on YouTube. They show it on some station, and you see. Everyone has photos of themselves throughout their lives, but there's nothing like seeing mm-hmm. yourself in these movies and these television shows getting older and older <laughs> and how you look, what you said. Right. It's hard for me to look at the old work. You know, I, I'm proud of it most of the time, but it just it's not something that compels me to look at it. And, and then when I do, I say, you know what? I heard Charlie Chaplin did this. An old man, they'd show him his old films, especially those early um, silent ones or shorts. He said he's good. He's good. <laughs> Sometimes I look and I say, "Boy, that was good." Yeah. Or I, look and I say, "Ooh, if I could have just changed that." Or, but um, you know, I have no regrets. Uh, it was so much. What a wonderful, fun time I've had. Basically, I. I, I never went anywhere when I was a kid, and I've been to every state but three—Montana, South Dakota, and Wyoming—and I'm not sure I want to go. Hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I met wonderful people. I performed for four presidents. Nice. Wow. And um, my folks lived to see me uh, make a movie with Barbara Streisand, uh, and they sat next to President Carter. And we got a standing ovation, and President Carter went up in the platform to see what a standing ovation looked like. <laughs> my friend, Jonathan Alter, who I'm having dinner with, uh, lunch uh, Thursday, is a journalist and writer, historian, wrote a fabulous book about Carter. Hmm. It's long. I got a chest damage from it on my chest. <laughs> but man, what what... Interesting president. Wow. In many ways. I'd love to read that. I love he reading stuff people. like that. A lot of things you'll see how he wanted to do the right thing. He took his Christianity and still does seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, which all these people, if Jesus came back now, I'd puke seeing these people. <laughs> Christmas cards with the whole family holding guns. Right. I mean, right. this, uh, and Carter has devoted himself to service, building houses and all that. He was not fit, you know, he was not cut out for the wrangling of Washington. He was not a good politician once he got to Washington, right. in many ways, but he was really interesting. But um, Washington, Lincoln, Roosevelt are standout in American history. Yes, Washington had slaves, but he left, and he, he gave them up, he gave them up when he died to his wife, who freed them apart. Mm-hmm. The point is that he, he had total power, and he gave it up, which no one had ever done in history. And he set the, the, the uh, you know, the, the kind of the rules of the game, and he was extremely important. Lincoln, for obvious reasons, one of the great tragedies of American history, that he was assassinated by these pigs. Yeah. He was a depressive, and yet he kept it going.
1: I also- love the movie that Spielberg did um, <coughs> Me too. with Daniel Day-Lewis.
0: Third time. I, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Lewis is a- in spite <laughs> of knowing
1: the ending. I don't know why I think it's going to change, but every time I watch it, I'm like, come <laughs> on.
0: It's, it's got to pull through. It's heartbreaking because it really affected things. Yeah. Um, because Andrew Johnson was an idiot and a racist uh, mm-hmm. his successor, uh, And, you know, Harry Truman comes up in that because um, – uh, when Roosevelt died, who was this Harry, Harry Truman? He's a pitcher from Missouri. He's a hack politician. And he became a very, very good president in a difficult time. And mm-hmm. I, I put him in maybe the, well certainly the top ten, but even better than that. He, he proved to be uh, reliable and honest. And I appreciate that. What are your three questions? My
1: three questions. So the first is question is, if you could go, if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self, what would be the piece of advice you would give yourself that would help you today?
3: Hmm.
1: Today um, being
0: a Tuesday. No, I'm just guy. It doesn't matter what day, but gee, um, I guess not, maybe not take things for granted so much. Uh, nice. when I was, things were coming my way like crazy. I always wanted to retreat a little and you know have quiet time. and I lacked certain. I mean, I was I, I was ambitious, but I think I would have been a little more ambitious in that formative time. Mm. I would have liked to do better parts in movies, but. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 am not sure about that. I, I I just, maybe not take it for granted so much. Enjoy that.
1: Um, second question is what had to end in your life, good or bad that led you to where you are today?
0: What, what say that again?
1: What had to end in your life, good or bad that led you to where (coughs) you are today?
0: Um, well, um, It was it was courageous of sort to to not. I, I wanted to be a doctor all my life. I went to college pre med, and I, it was a disaster. Hmm. I had to open my mind. Uh, I went out for the college plays, and and I found that I was good. And right. they thought I was good, so. I think wow. what had to end was this conventional thinking. I have to go to medical school or law school, or like everyone else I knew did. And uh, these two professors cornered my father after my junior year. And they said, to Mr. Klein, he's very talented. We'd like to him to go to Yale graduate school. My father said, Yale? Yeah. To be an actor? Did Eddie Cantor go to Yale? You know, Cantor <laughs> <laughs> was. You know. Uh, so yeah. I I cringe when I see Al Jolson in blackface, you know. Right. Oh my god. So uh, uh he had a point, but yet going to graduate school at Yale immersed me. In other words, all my friends are going to medical school, a few to dental school, law school, I'm going to drama school and they they mean business there. Mm. And I'm this is what I've chosen to do. And I, I so I had to leave behind to, fit your question uh more conventional thinking i had you have to have a successful career you need fire in your belly you need talent notice i put it second and you need (laughs) luck or good fortune and coincidence right Uh, a lot of there's a lot of very talented mailmen out there but they don't (laughs) have to find my father yeah the talent of a professional comedian never even occurred to him to do
1: it right yeah that's always kind of heartbreaking um and the third question is kind of goofy it ties in with a show um if this was a this was a genuine dystopia and i'm talking last day on the planet for everybody zombies zombies, aliens everything the whole thing uh how would you want to go out what would be your epic death
0: Oh, the easiest way. Um, hmm. um, a, a lot of... I would not hang around for that. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I w- would want to go quickly. Right? Okay. Um, I don't own a gun. I don't ever intend to own a gun. I have a BB gun. Oh, there and you go. Picture of Hitler that I had in one of my HBO special, My NBC specials I did too in 81 for NBC. And I, I target practice at a thing of Hitler.
2: Uh, with my BB
0: gun. Um, You know what? Um, There are lots of television shows about, even the Smithsonian has one about what would happen to buildings and everything. I'll just say this one thing. I was brought up in an era, and I talked about it in the first album, Child of the 50s. We had to go under the desks. We had air raid drills. That stuff was taken seriously. Ever since the Russians exploded a, a nuclear thermonuclear weapon in '49, or a nuclear weapon, so they had it too, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's it's no more uh, conventional; it's catastrophic because it was already ten times Hiroshima. Now it's thousand times Hiroshima. The kind of lethality these weapons have this was mad mutually assured mutual assured destruction mm-hmm. and it's worked so far you know right. that you do it we do it. yeah now um the danger has never left it's right. only the attitude about the danger we don't have drills anymore we don't hide i mean some people do survivalists you know they find uh, uh food In these places from civil defense in the 50s, somebody opened a can of beans and they're still edible. I mean,
1: right,
3: yeah,
0: um, nobody does that anymore, and yet the danger is still there very much there. Mm -hmm. Uh, and only six countries have been added, including unstable ones like North Korea, uh, um, Pakistan, right? That doctor, what's his name? He died last year, he was, yeah, enemy of humanity. He gave Secrets to the North Koreans. And so the Indians, Pakistanis, North Koreans, Russians, Chinese, French, English, Israel, Mm. US. Uh, Yeah. I mean, someone gets a little cranky. (laughs) And that's it. The danger is there. So. Um, it, it, it's all over. If there's a exchange, nuclear exchange, the, wor- the world wouldn't be worth living in. Right. It would take a, a long time. So the fact that Putin is actually bringing up nuclear thing is kind of a blackmail idea. Oh, he's so crazy. He's going to do it. You know.
1: Right, right. Yeah.
0: Um, I doubt it, but, you know. Yeah. There are, they, there say,
1: are... they say he's sick, so he doesn't yeah. care. That's why he's going to do it.
0: Well, there are nuclear submarines on both sides, on all sides, no one knows where they are. Right. So they're almost undetectable. And they have, in one submarine, what? A thousand times the lethality of Hiroshima? Or, yeah. Uh, we have underground silos. We have uh, cruise missiles. We have, And they do too. So uh, uh, it would seem that everyone will keep their minds because they don't want to uh, see the world I wouldn't say the world will end, but it could be close. Yeah. And your dystopia will come true. I hope Well, <laughs>
1: I hope it doesn't either, but I mean, it depends. Yeah, they got, if they you know
0: what? No podcasts. Exactly. And,
1: you know, with my luck,
0: luck. And the podcast.
1: Yeah. <laughs> with, with, with my luck, the world would end, and then they'd make us go to series. They'd be like, you know what? We're going to give you that contract.
0: <laughs>
2: You've got one day
0: left. I've had, I've had dreams about it, and I wrote a bit about it. <clears throat> children, I want no talking during a nuclear holocaust. I want an orderly nuclear holocaust. And then they had sirens every day at noon, testing them. And I thought, what if the Russians bombed at noon? We wouldn't. We'd think, <laughs> I'm serious. And it's, it's just a terrible sound. Right. Find one of footage it's of true, the though. war, um, which the Brits went through very courageously, oh, yeah. the Blitz. And of course, Europe was decimated by bombs and all that. And in in 2022, in Europe, one neighbor is and they look alike. They speak the same language. Is destroying these looks like the Grand Concourse. They're apartment buildings. Just one. Just leveling the place. What do they expect if they took it over? Yeah, they're responsible for it. What are they? Yeah. they kind of money. You
1: know? Exactly. They don't th- It's insane. It's not even worth it at the end of that kind of shit. Terrible.
0: It's-, it's just brute force. They did it in Syria and people, well, they're Syrians. Yeah, know? they didn't give a shit. There is a little bit of racism involved. Well, they're Middle Eastern, you know, they're primitive. They did it in Chechnya, which is a mysterious place. They just carpet bombed and, you know, but to do it, this built up society, right? you may notice that the head of uh, Zelensky, the uh, president of Ukraine, very brave man, is a comedian. Comedians yeah, rule, comedians rule, literally.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's
0: the, that he, the Jew is amazing too. Ukraine was notoriously anti Semitic in the Second World War and its previous history. So, here it's even becoming an enlightened place with less, uh, corruption. You know, uh, and the only corruption was Trump trying to corrupt it. And why can't the Democrats make hay out of the fact that President Trump sided with Putin, thinks he's great.
1: You would think you would think that would be an easy thing to do.
0: Tucker Carlson thinks Orban and thinks it's well, none of our business. It's not, you know, that's what's happening in America now. Very bad. Boys, this yes. has been so- I- I-
2: I'm talking much. <laughs> I know, I know. You know what I do have to say before you go? Check you out in Monmouth Beach. Coming up soon. The date is coming up, right? I make sure we want to plug that before you go. Oh, oh, I have. Uh, let's see, the 18th and
0: the 25th of June. One is Monmouth
1: University. Uh, yep. Um,
0: Mon- I, you know, I d- delivered commencement there. I'm a doctor three times. I, I have three doctorates, which means absolutely nothing. <laughs> I was very proud, of course, that they uh, they used me. Let's see, calendar June. Um, the 18th is uh, Riverhead, Long Island, the Suffolk Theater, mm. which is a lovely theater. It's that way out in Long theater. Island. And the 25th is Monmouth.
1: Yes. Can't wait. So We're going to see felt, you on the 25th.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm going to be fresh. I certainly haven't done it for a while. I gave a. I I presented an award at the New York uh, – Film Critics Circle, mm. and most of the people were, you know, come a batch and all, and they were videotaping from Europe, oh. you know. So I got up there to give an award to Marshall Fine, who oh. actually directed the film about me, the the documentary, but also was the treasurer and the chairman of the New York Film Critics Circle for many years. Mm. Retired, they're giving him a life. So I got up there and I said, I'm so sorry I couldn't be with you. <laughs> But I'm in a hotel room in Paris shooting a movie about Charles de Gaulle's sister. I, mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I did five or six minutes. It felt so good. I even got a laugh out of Lady Gaga.
3: Oh, nice.
0: About a day in her acceptance speech, she went on and on. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I saw it in, in uh, uh, Stars Bunch She's really good.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. She was great in that. That was a good remake. Hey,
0: John, you like this. She said, I, of course, Marty Scorsese was there. He gave a, an award to the woman director of the Cumberbatch film. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, I'm so happy. As an Italian-American, as and she used some Italian word. To, I, I, and I grew up seeing movies about people, you know, Italian families who looked like me, and me. Every Italian movie was a mafia murder movie. <laughs> The people who looked like me, <laughs> spoke like me. <laughs>
1: oh my god, that's hilarious! Uh,
0: oh. They were good movies. I yeah, uh, we could get into a whole discussion about that. But the Godfather one and two were masterpieces. And oh yeah, indeed. The Sopranos I appreciated because it showed it, it. It was ethically sound. Every time you, we were we were with Tony because he's the star, right? So a, a villain can be interesting, like Iago in in Othello. I mean, he, right. he's an interesting character. You almost understand his motives. He's jealous, and he power. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, uh, when he promises his wife, "No, I won't fool around anymore," And then the Next thing, he's stooping some secretary or <laughs> <laughs> murdered and stole. It was a scene with the old Jewish psychiatrist and and uh, Mrs. Uh, Soprano. Edie Falco goes to see him. And the old man, the actor, by the way, never saw himself. He died before it aired at wow. a Queens bus stop. You know, he had a, 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 a voice like this. And he said, you should leave. Take your children and leave. She said, are you Jewish? He said, what does that have to do with it? She said, well, we Catholics take our marriages very seriously. And then he said, leave. He said, you're you're." Uh, um, what's the word you, you're partly responsible you take that stolen jewelry you want it whatever
2: right yeah it.
0: and and uh, it just reminded you that of who these interesting people that you watched every week really were right and, yeah and, uh, I thought it reminded you that um, how, how horrible they were that didn't yeah. make interesting or the writing less good but anyway yeah. um you know uh, after joe colombo's italian american festival you know whatever when he got shot that was such an embarrassment um i think people no longer hear an italian name you know and and automatically think that there's something shady except for john pavarolo <laughs> <laughs> that name immediately makes me think hey <laughs> 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 uh, anyway, we're little jewish boys you know we get ours too the uh and, and family guy the little red-headed schmuck the jew was always Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> 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 like,
0: listen boys this has been so great
1: such a pleasure thank you so much man i, I really enjoyed that. talking to you
0: hey i like your look there you know you i, I wish i could see a little better the beard and the outfit but you're really sweet both of you thank you nice we appreciate you boys and i enjoyed my uh stay on your show thanks so
1: thank much you. for doing
2: it
0: man we appreciate it all
3: right and we, we'll yep. definitely you come you see 20th. you when you're in jersey yep all Have right a great one. take thanks. care man peace Bye. Dystopia tonight